0: This is the Clinician to Clinician podcast. I'm your host, Lara Epland, licensed independent clinical social worker with over 15 years of experience in the mental health field. Clinician to Clinician is a place where mental health clinicians, therapists, or counselors share their professional stories, successes, challenges, and insights. As clinicians, our professional work is rarely public. We wanna change that and build a more transparent, supportive, and honest community. Are you feeling like an imposter, scared that any moment the outside world will realize you are not as capable as they think you are? You're not alone. I'm here to show you how to unlock your hidden potential and take back control of your professional career. Hello, my name is Laura Effland, and in this video, I'm going to talk about imposter monster, and how to turn that into imposter tolerance. So, the feeling many of us have experienced throughout our careers, at least once in our lives, I'm a mental health therapist. And especially in the first couple years of becoming a mental health therapist, I felt like the imposter monster had taken me over. I had so much feelings of doubt, concern, worry that I wasn't measuring up and that I wasn't able to really get to where I wanted to go, but we all feel like we aren't measuring up, like we aren't as successful or knowledgeable as we should be. And I'm here to tell you that there is a way out of this trap. So in this video, I will share with you empowering strategies for overcoming the imposter monster and unlock your true potential as a mental health therapist. So let's get started. So imposter monster is real. I just want you to know. And even though it feels like, is this the boogeyman? Am I the only one making this a big deal? No, you're not. Everybody has this fear. However, it is a little bit like the boogeyman in the sense you won't ever see it. You won't ever really get a full idea as to whether or not it's actually in the closet because it looms around, it lurks, but it doesn't necessarily ever attack. And that I think is the hardest part is because it's not something that we actually can tangibly hold. And instead, it's a feeling that we have deep down inside that maybe we've been carrying with us for a long time, even before you became a mental health therapist or another career, if you're watching this from another another profession, or even as a parent or anyone who's trying something for the first time we're doing something that feels challenging, this imposter monster shows up. It actually thrives on this self-doubt, this intersection of challenge and unknown, the lacking of skill, not quite sure what your plan is, not quite sure how to do it fully, or in a way that feels competent. That's where the imposter monster really loves to live. And so if you're in that crossroad in your professional career, this is a great place to be, to actually learn how to tolerate it and to work with it. Because the thing is, it doesn't go away. And the more you think about it and the more you are upset by it and the more you struggle with it, actually the bigger the monster gets. So we want to learn how to make the monster get small. And the only way to make the monster get small is to be compassionate with it. So today, what we're going to talk about is how to become compassionate with our imposter monster. I want to show you um, a little bit about, you know, some visuals as to what this actually looks like. And so when we start to kind of look at the imposter monster and we start to work with the imposter monster, here is a place where we're really going to see it for what it is. And what the imposter monster is, is this feeling of, I am not good enough. I am not worthy. I am not going to make it. Whatever it is, it feels like what's in front of you is too much to tolerate and too much to bear. And I believe that each one of us are unique and bringing something to the table that is needed. So diversity and courage to share our unique talents and thoughts and ideas in mental health. We are actually losing therapists more than we are keeping them in the field. Over 50% of mental health therapists are either leaving the field or not getting licensed, and so finding other ways to contribute in the field. So how do we stop and actually help individuals stay well, one is to first and foremost, break down this myth that the imposter monster is right. And the imposter monster is not right. If anything, what really the imposter monster is saying to us is I care. I want to make a difference. I really value what I'm doing. And I'm worried that I'm not meeting or living up to my expectations or someone else's expectations. So instead, we actually want to give ourselves this opportunity to take care, to find compassion, and to choose courage. Up to 84% of people struggle with imposter syndrome. 84%. 20 years of well-documented research by leading experts in motivation and personality psychology, such as Carol Dweck, who's the author of Mindset, confirmed that when she discovered this in her own research in the early 1980s, that the notion of what it means to be competent has a powerful impact on how competent we feel. So the way that we commonly define competence, like if I were really intelligent, capable, and competent, I would know everything in my field. I should get it right the first time. I should excel in everything I do. I'd always know the answer. I'd always understand what I'm reading. I'd always feel confident. I'd never make a mistake. I'd never be confused. I'd never need help. That is not true. There are so many of us out there in the world that don't know, that do make mistakes, that aren't excelling in everything that we do. I know that I'm one of them, and I wish. Because I also have this imposter monster inside of me. I wish that that were different. I would prefer to be perfect. I would prefer to have it all. And that's not possible. And when I get stuck in the mindset that if if I only could be perfect at everything, if only I could be good at everything, then everything else would be okay. I actually rob myself. Of the opportunity to feel really successful in the things that I am good at, to be focusing on the things that I am able to really excel at and offer to many people. And so here are situations in which we don't want to rob ourselves from what is happening in the moment. And instead, like the imposter monster, but instead, we actually want to focus on ways that we can maybe grow and find a new perspective. So there's actually, you know, from Carol Dweck's uh, further investigation of like different types of imposter syndrome, there's the expert, the superhuman, the perfectionist, the soloist, and the natural genius. So I'm going to break all of these down for you. The expert is the knowledge version of the perfectionist. And here the primary concern is on what and how much you know or can do because you expect to know everything. Even a minor lack of knowledge denotes failure and shame. And that feels incredibly uncomfortable. And the superhuman measures their competence based on how many roles they can both juggle and excel in. Failing Or falling short in any role as a manager, team member, parent, partner, friend, volunteer, it all evokes shame because they feel they should be able to handle it all perfectly and easily. And the perfectionist is the primary focus is on how something is done. This includes how the work is conducted and how it turns out. One minor flaw in an otherwise stellar performance, or 99 out of 100, equals failure, and thus. Shame. And the soloist cares mostly about who completes the task. To make it an achievement list, it has to be that the person is them, they themselves, and only them were the ones that were able to figure it out and complete it. Because you think you need to do and figure out everything on your own. Needing help is a sign of failure that evokes shame. And the natural genius also cares about how and when accomplishments happen, but for them, the competence is measured in terms of ease and speed. The fact that they had to struggle to master a subject or a skill, that they're not able to bang out a masterpiece in a moment equals failure, which evokes a sense of shame. So the imposter syndrome goes in a cycle. Here you have the event, the presentation. So, for instance, me doing exactly this today, I am presenting, I am teaching, I'm getting up there. And my negative interpretation in my mind is I'm not qualified to speak on this topic. Or what if somebody out there listening or watching me says, Who is she? She's not qualified to speak on this topic. And the negative emotion that I start to have is shame and fear and doubt. And this negative emotions turns into a negative response. I am shaking while I'm speaking. I feel hesitation when I want to explain something. I think, oh my gosh, at any moment, I'm going to come across like I shouldn't be here. And this negative after effect really starts to carry and over. And so people after my presentation may come up to me and say, congratulations, I really enjoyed this or that. And my thinking is challenging all the time. They don't really mean that they're just being nice or they're asking you this question because you really didn't make a lot of sense when you were talking and they need you to clarify. And so once again, those feelings are just going to keep happening I'm not going to be able to give myself accolades. I'm not going to be able to celebrate my accomplishment or achievement. I'm going to be stuck. And that's where the imposter monster starts to rob us from our ability to grow. And if we continue to live this way, it's going to get harder and harder to try new things. It's going to feel like if I go out there and put myself at risk of this negative responses or attention that's only going to hurt me and so trying new things feels threatening it feels harmful so instead what we want to do is we want to kind of take a step back and we, we if imposter syndrome is something that we cannot get rid of so if you remember me saying that in the beginning I can't get rid of this feeling, these self-doubt, this shame, this worry. If I can't get rid of these negative feelings or this negative thought, what do I do? I embrace them. If I can't get rid of them, fighting them, going after them, challenging them, it only makes the imposter monster bigger. And so instead, what I can do is I can embrace them. And when I embrace them, I am building imposter tolerance. I'm flipping my script and it goes from imposter monster or imposter syndrome. Why can't I get this right? I should know this by now. I shouldn't need help. I don't want anyone to think I'm not capable. I will look weak or less than to imposter tolerance, which is, hey, You know what? I'm new to this. Yes, it is uncomfortable when I'm new. Yes, it is uncomfortable to put myself out there. But what can I learn from this experience? I'm learning. This means a lot to me, which is why it makes me so nervous. I want big things. And if I want big things, I've got to take big risks. And what I'm doing today does not make or break tomorrow. I'm moving forward, even if it feels like a crawl. I know sometimes it feels like a cop-out to actually give ourselves these tolerant messages. It feels like I'm not going to get anywhere if I'm not beating myself up. If I'm not hard on myself, how am I going to get advanced? How am I going to be the person that I really want to be? And I know some of us may have experienced tough love growing up, coaches, teachers, parents, so forth. And in the moment, it felt like it was propelling us forward. Well, research shows that that, those negative messages, that hard conditioning is not what causes someone to ultimately change in the long run. And now that you're adults and you don't have as many coaches around you and you don't have a parent who's helping you along the way or teaching you how to be or correcting your behavior or being punitive... It's our minds that become those negative messages and our mind is even more cruel and more harsh. And that's where we actually can start to become our hindrance, our obstruction to our growth. And so here in this opportunity to learn, we actually want to take a step back and we'll grow even further if we find tolerance over that hard love that critical voice, the harsh statements. So as we continue to work through the imposter monster, the thing that I want you to kind of think about is how do I grow in the sense that I am helping myself move forward and notice the times where I get stuck in a pattern because I notice when my imposter monster shows up because that cycle shows up, that negative pattern, it is so hard to get out of it. And so I have to work really hard to find my, the off-ramp and to find a new intervention. And so here are four steps to the imposter syndrome that I want you to think about and so we've got naming it, feeling it, exploring it, and finding compassion. So the first thing is to name it. All right, this is the imposter monster. It's shown up. Feel it. Oh, I feel crummy. I feel heavy. I feel, you know, lots of anxiety, however it shows up for you. Now we're going to explore it. So when we explore it, what we're going to be doing is we're going to look at the intensity of our emotion. And realize and really identify that this intensity of emotion is actually because we're overevaluating that this negative outcome is going to cause really bad things in our lives. So this has increased our fear. So we are over-evaluating. Back to this example of the presentation. If I do this presentation and I make a mistake when I'm talking, even though it's an hour long and I'm only, you know, and I make one mistake on one slide, my whole presentation is now ruined. This is where we're talking about this over evaluation has will now increase our fear and distort our beliefs. And we may walk away thinking that one mistake has actually made my presentation a failure. So how do we stop this and intervene? We want to ask a really critical question. What are we so afraid of? So we're actually going to use a technique by cognitive behavioral therapy called the downward arrow technique to help us get deeper under the driving force behind our fears and shame and insecurity. So we have to face it in order to reduce its power over us. So the first thing that you can ask yourself is, what would the worst case scenario be if I made a mistake in my presentation? Well, the people that I've been talking to this whole entire time may now think that I'm not that great. They may never come back and never watch me again, which means I'll never be able (laughs) to get further along And if that's true, what's so bad? Well, what's so bad about that is I want to get better or I actually want to turn this into something special or I would like to be invited back again to present. And what about not being invited back bothers me? Well, then it means that I wasn't good enough. And what about not being good enough is a problem for you? Well, if I'm not good enough, then I haven't succeeded. And if you haven't succeeded, what does that mean to you? Well, if I haven't succeeded, then I have not really much value in my life or in my profession. So as you can see, the deeper you go, the more you're starting to get a sense of, oh, wow, this means a lot to me. And when this means a lot to me, I actually put a lot of value or worth or self-worth into this particular event. And that over-evaluation of this event, I'm putting way too many eggs in one basket, but there's actually lots of areas or lots of ways that I can continue to grow and show up. So what we start to learn from here is that we can use another way. So is it true that if I make one mistake or if I make mistakes in my presentation, I'm not a value or a worthy in my profession or in my life? No, they don't equally connect, even though they feel that they do. In reality, that's not the case. And instead, we can be just as successful, sometimes even more successful, when we do make mistakes and we own them and we show up and we show confidence and pride in ourselves, even though we didn't necessarily do it perfectly. And so here, what you can look at is imposter tolerance. And here we have the presentation and the interpretation is I've worked really hard to get here and I'm so proud of myself. So no matter what happens today, This is a big deal and I'm going to keep working at it because what I have to say is important. And my emotion then is hope. I am still nervous because I'm anticipating a big presentation and performance anxiety is normal. And my response is, okay, I'm going to take care of myself before, during, and after the presentation, I'm going to make sure that I have a really good lunch before I present. And then during it, I'm going to make sure I have water and I'm going to be wearing comfortable clothes and comfortable shoes and then after the presentation, I'm going to talk to the people and make sure that I, you know, answer all the questions. And then I'm going to go to the pool or I'm going to go and read my favorite book or I'm going to take myself out for a nice, nice meal. And this after effect then causes me to shake everyone's hand, look them in the eye, and appreciate the gratitude or feelings I have that I accomplished something big and to say it out loud, and to start to really feel it for myself. Because regardless of what other people think, I can't control their thoughts. I can only control my own response. And so how do I start to embrace the moment for what it is? And there's so much there that I can work with. So I hope that today you have taken away something even more important than the imposter monster. And instead, ways in which you can build this into imposter tolerance. Here are some resources and references for things that I used to build out this presentation and training today. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for being here with me. My name is Laura Effland. I am the founder and the clinical executive of the Clinician Development Collective, where we offer high quality clinical supervision consultation and training for mental health therapists. And I hope all of you out there, whether you're a mental health clinician, whether you are another professional who is just getting started or far along in your career, find new ways to have and build a relationship with your imposter monster because the monster's not going away, but we can turn it into a little bite-sized monster rather than the huge Um, human size that really can start to take over our lives and our confidence. So take care and I will see you next time. Clinicians learning from one another are unshakable and unstoppable. Build confidence, competence, and compassion through storytelling and hearing from other clinicians' personal experience and professional journey to becoming where they are today. This podcast is sponsored by the Clinician Development Collective, a place where clinicians can receive clinical supervision, consultation, training, and support. Come check us out at www.cliniciandevelopmentcollective.com.